So good to see you. Hope you're having a good week. Please turn in your Bible to Matthew chapter 6. How many of you have ever tried to get someone's attention? Right? When we're in school, we do it. How do we do it in school? We raise our hand. We don't go, hey, teacher. Right? That doesn't work well. But in life, sometimes we do that. We go, hey, and you're trying to get somebody's attention. Or if they, uh, you see them afar, you're like, hey, there's my friend. You'll ever do that when you're meeting somebody. There's times that uh, we tap them on the shoulder, hey, I'm trying to talk to you. And then when we're young and we're trying to get somebody's attention, that opens a whole new realm of activities, of peeling the car out, making all kinds of sounds and Trying to get someone's attention that way. Just getting them to look. But listen. How many of you have ever wanted to get grabbed God's attention? How many of you have ever wanted God to not pay attention? <laughs> but here's the thing. We've all asked ourselves, God, where are you? And we think that he's not paying attention. And so this morning, what I want to do is talk to you about how do we attract God's attention? Because I think as we're walking in a relationship with him, we want to know and have confirmation and have exchange with him that, uh, that we're in this relationship together. That's not just me trying to do good works and, you know, I hope that my good outweighs my bad and that, that God is pleased. That it's more than that. And so, we're going to dig into these verses this morning. We're going to uh, jump into Matthew chapter 6, verse 16. Read all the way down through 24. Whenever you fast, do not put on a gloomy face as the hypocrites do. For they neglect their appearance so that they will be noticed by men when they are fasting. Truly I say to you, they have their reward in full. But you, when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face so that your fasting will not be noticed by men, but by your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on the earth, where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in or steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. So then if your eye is clear, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the, the light that is in you is darkness, how great is the darkness. No one can serve two masters. For he'll either hate the one and love the other. Or he'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and wealth. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for all that you're doing in our lives. And Father, I pray that these words of Jesus Christ this morning will sink clearly into our hearts. That you'll speak to each and every one of us. And Father, we know, we know that you're paying attention. We know that you're active in our lives. But Father, we want to be aligned with you. 
These are the things that flow out of a genuine relationship with you. And Father, help us to see and to walk appropriately in response to the grace which you've shown us. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, this morning as we look and see how to attract God's attention, we're going to be fo we will focus on fasting, treasures, your eye, and your master. There's going to be four areas. We begin with fasting. Now, what we don't talk about fasting much these days, um, but what is fasting? Well, I have heard all kinds of uh, tales about fasting. Fasting is, is essentially giving up food and taking that time you would dedicate to feed your body to feeding your spirit and your soul by having communication with God and trusting Him to take care of the physical. Now, some of us have some reserves that we can call upon uh, that during that time of fasting, but we are not supposed to rely on that. We're supposed to rely on Him. And it's been, uh, you know, I don't know about you, but fasting has not been uh, talked about a lot in the church today. And really, we, I think what it is, is it's tied to prayer. And since prayer, I think prayer is waning in the body of Christ today, we've ceased fasting because we uh, don't value prayer like it should be. And so we go through things, and the only time that we would even consider something like this is when it's really, really bad, right? When things are falling apart, and oh man, I gotta fast and pray. We hear it like that, like some kind of emergency lane, like a runaway truck coming down the mountain. But listen, Fasting is important because we're doing something physically that tells God we rely on you. We're relying on you. Now, people say, well, do I have to fast for a whole day? Does that mean everything? No, you can fast for one meal. You can fast. Some of it's just laying off soda. You know, people want to talk about different ways of doing it. Um... I think it's the heart in doing it that matters more. I think it's the understanding that I need God more than I need food when we spend time with Him. But He talks about this. He says, when you, when you fast, there's two paths you can take. There's the hypocritical path where you put on a gloomy face and you neglect your appearance so that men notice you. Oh, I'm fasting. You know, today, I don't, you know, you just look like, like uh, you didn't try today. Why does he call them hypocrites? The reason, it, what's a hypocrite? Let's talk about that for a minute. A hypocrite is somebody who says one thing, but is doing another, right? So what they're saying is, I'm actually trying to get God's attention but what I'm doing is I'm getting your attention by the way I dress. So they're lying. Hypocrites lie, right? They're lying. They're, they're showing one thing but doing another. They're not after God's attention. They're after attention from men. And so what happens is... <clears throat> is we're told here that they have the reward because they have what they were seeking. 
so you can forget about what you prayed about because you got the attention from other people that you wanted. Well, you're done. Or we can take the other path, the genuine path. Clean yourself up and don't do anything to draw attention to yourself and the fact that you're fasting. When we do, we do it to let God know we need Him as we cry out to Him in prayer. Rightly done in secret, God will, will answer your prayers. God will respond to you. Now, I can't fast for God to give me $100 million. Because God's not going to give me $100 million unless it's planned to give me $100 million. But we fast over the thing, you know, fast, you know, how about this one? Fast to know him more. Fast so that, and pray about him revealing his word to you in a deeper way. Fast in a way where the intimacy increases between you and him. Maybe we stop focusing on the things we need in life and start focusing on the things we need in our relationship. It's so easy to get caught into the junk that's here. I mean, this is the season to get caught in it. <laughs> you know, you have lists and you have all these things and, you know, how are we going to get it all done? How many of you have started Christmas shopping? Anybody? How many of you have not gone shopping at all? None. That's me too. Three of us. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not alone. And there's nothing wrong with exchanging gifts. Don't get me wrong. But this time of year, we're focused on things that we don't really need. And I think sometimes there's things we need that we don't even realize. You know, how long has it been since you really craved to spend time with God? You can fast over that. I'll tell you this. Just ask God what he would have you to do. Rightly done in secret, God will see and reward you. And you have his attention. Because God sees what's done. It does matter how we do things. But it doesn't flow out of a desire to manipulate God. It flows out of a gratitude and a relationship with God. So just because we're focusing on the results, let's not lose the source. The source is what he did for us. The source is Jesus in us. The source is the Holy Spirit within us. And when we're responding to him and we're fasting, that's what it looks like. We're not doing it to gain men's attention, have people think, oh, well, that Mark, he is so godly. Why would I care if anybody thought I was godly? Why wouldn't I care that God intercedes in someone else's life more than that? If I'm caring that people think that I'm godly and that's my focus, then that's all about me. God can handle those things. Let's seek God for the things that are important to Him. So He's telling them, because fasting was part of their day. I mean, part of their... Uh, walk with him. And so he talks about fasting. But he also talks about our treasures. 
And he tells us that we can either store up earthly treasures or heavenly treasures. We store them here, we store them there. We're storing treasures, folks. You are storing treasures. The question is, where is your treasure being stored? And as you go through this, he talks about our earthly treasures are at risk from moths. What do you know? And it's really interesting because I've never done this before. What do moths eat? Fabrics, right? Clothes, wardrobe. And I might date my wardrobe to the latest stuff. Doesn't it tell us to, if you have clothes and food, to be content therewith? And we told that somewhere in scripture. Just, somebody can find it, I'm sure. We're moths. We're at risk from moths. Rust, anything metal. Anybody here drive with anything metal? Look at the, you know, the commercials I've seen this Christmas more than any of the car commercials. They want us to buy a brand new car because it's Christmas. Not because it's broken down and there's oil running out of it. <laughs> but because it's Christmas. And you deserve it. You deserve to spend $40,000. Or fifty, Or seventy. You know, some of you remember back when cars were 3500 bucks. Remember that? Mm -hmm. That was the expensive ones. You ever remember when the Yugo came out? How excited we all were over a $4,900 car until we saw it? <laughs> but all this money and this indebtedness. You know, somebody was talking about... Um, it's actually on the news channel. They were bantering among themselves about how everybody wants to be older and free. Because then I can do what I want. I can stay up as late as I want. I can do. That's not true. You're not free. <coughs> Listen, kids, don't believe that. That is a lie. Because if you want electricity and water and AC and heat, then you've got to go do other things. There's not freedom in being an adult. We long for the days when we could go home and we don't have any responsibility. And mom and dad always had food for us-ish and had it out there on the table or, or whatever. Reach it. <laughs> right? Kids, stay young. Move out before you're 35, though. I didn't mean to look over there. <laughs> Listen. Rust, anything that can be anything that can be stolen. We get stuff. We give it and then in two years it's in a garage sale. We spend all this money. And you know who's taking our money? All these merchants are. Instead of using that for the glory of God. I think sometimes we're squandering his resources. Because we, t listen, let's just cut to the chase. We talk in church about tithe, right? Not often. I don't like to preach on it. I actually dislike it. Because I think everybody thinks that that's what the church wants. The church wants your money. I want you to know something. I don't want your money. You know why I don't want your money? Because you ain't got it. 
we say, well, that's God's money. Well, that's a lie. It's a, it's a half-truth. Every cent in my account belongs to him. All of it. Your whole check is his. That's what stewardship is about. We think stewardship is just that 10%. And you want the real truth. If we really pe preach it biblically, it's 30%. Mm -hmm. I wonder why we don't do that. Are we afraid that God's people won't respond? Maybe that's where we should start. I'll put it on the sign. We don't believe in the tithe. Mm -hmm. We believe in 30%. <laughs> <laughs> if anybody shows up. That's <laughs> what it says. When you talk about Malachi, he said, you rob me in tithes and offerings. So we can rob him above the 10%. An offering doesn't happen until you reach 10%. Yay, aren't you glad you came? Treasures, folks, be careful. Don't use your resources to accumulate stuff and things. It's junk. How many of you have ever waited in line for the latest thing and then two years later, you could buy them for a nickel? Think about, think about the iPhones and all the people that were in, in line for the iPhone 2. <laughs> we laugh now, but... We wouldn't, weren't laughing then. And so treasures matter. So there's earthly treasures, but there's also heavenly treasures. See, we take earthly treasures to put stuff in heaven. We turn something that's temporary into something eternal. That's a pretty good deal. That's a pretty good deal. The beauty of that is it's not at risk. If I take cash or, or possessions or whatever and I use it for the spreading of the gospel or to help build a hospital where they're sharing or I put it into a shoebox where a kid gets to hear the gospel and receives Christ, we're turning temporary things into eternal things. That's the investment. <laughs> if you think about it, and it's going with us. It's going in a place where we don't need clothes anymore. And the good news is we're going to have a new body. In a place where people are there because somebody shared or somebody gave or enabled or time. You know, we really need to change to more of an eternal focus than just here and now. Because it's so easy to get caught up in this world. It's a, it is a vortex of need and want and appeal to the flesh. And it's constant. And so we're to use the resources that God gives us for his glory, not to stack up stuff for ourselves. Heavenly minded folks. The truth is, here's the truth. The truth is our heart follows our investments. Wherever you're investing your time, talents, resources that God has given you is where your heart goes. And so if you wonder, 
Well, whatever happened to Bob? Well, whatever happened? They're, they're either investing in God's things or they're investing in their own thing. You know, doesn't the Bible say somewhere to seek ye first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added to you? Doesn't it say that? Do we believe the Bible here? And the rest of you? And the remainder? <laughs> Do we believe God's word or don't we? Well, why don't we start acting like it's actually true? What a concept. Seek him first. And quit worrying about all that junk. I don't care if your tie is wide or thin. Some of you are like, what's a tie? <laughs> Don and I can reminisce about that later. <laughs> the changing styles. Be careful, folks. Our heart, your heart's going to follow your investments. It does. Then he talks to us about our eye. This is the eye is the, the lamp of the body. Well, what does a lamp do? It illuminates the space, right? When I turn on a lamp, I'm trying to get light. And so when he says the eye is the lamp of the body, what he's talking about is whatever you look at or whatever you look for will fill you up. Whatever you look at or whatever you look for will, will fill you. And so if it's God, whether it's God or the things of the world, it doesn't matter because it's going to fill you. Well, I'm really after this or I'm really... You know what's so funny? We seek the blessings of God more than we do the God of the blessings. Have you ever noticed that? Well, I want a good job and I want a good family and I want to get this and I want to get that. And the answer to that is Jesus Christ and putting him first. But what we want to do is kind of add him in so that he can make our thing good. And we're, it's backward. And then we wonder why it doesn't work and we want to blame God for that. That's not how it works. We're told in Hebrews 12, 2, to fix our eyes where? On Jesus Christ. The author and finisher of our faith. Are your eyes fixed on him? We're told in Colossians 3.2. To set our heart on things above. And if the eye is the lamp of the body. That which is coming in illuminates the body. But if the eye is bad. In other words the light can't get through it then how dark is that darkness? If you begin pursuing things of the world, that is what's going to fill you. And how great is the darkness of Christians to be filled with worldliness? That's what's happened, folks. We're not going to... Listen, you will have God's attention. But that's going on in your life. But so often we're going through this life and we're seeking things that don't have anything to do with him. But we want his attention because we want him to make this pile of mess that we got better. 
And the church has been a colluding factor in that. They want to tell you how to make your life better. Let me tell you something. The way to make your life better is to give up on it and take the life that he planned for you from the foundation of the world. When you do that, it's better, I promise. And you have God's attention. Because we are in line with him. We get God's attention not by screaming over what we want, but falling in line with what he wants. And we can all say there's times we've prayed, there's times we've been walking this journey and going, where are you, God? Where are you? Why am I out here all alone? How come these bad things keep happening to me? How come this always turns out bad? And then we want to blame God for it. We would never say that. But we would ask, how come? Or why hasn't this come about yet? That's what we say. But what we're doing is we're blaming God. No different than Adam in the garden. When God showed up, he said, Adam. And he asked him about eating of the fruit. And what did Adam say? Yeah, I did it. That's not what he said. He said, the woman you gave me ate and I ate, and I ate too. He, and it, a lot of people say he blamed Eve. He didn't blame Eve. He blamed God. The woman you gave me, what you did, God, caused this. And we do the exact same thing. Well, God, only if you would have done this, then this would have been better. Same answer. And it's because, and everything went to pot because they weren't following the plan of God. And then they want to come back and blame God for it. It don't work like that. If I want God's attention, I have to get on God's agenda. And I get on God's agenda through surrendering, through listening to him, through being obedient to him, by taking on his priorities. That's what he's talking about here. He's saying it's not going to work. It's going to fall apart when you go on your own path. But when you follow mine, it'll work just fine. Because we're left, he ends this in verse 24 by talking about our master. He ends this section by revealing the root cause, driving the behavior that's already discussed. See, <laughs> we all have a master. Well, not me, I do whatever I want. Really? How do you decide what you want? Well, if I feel like it, I do it. If I want it, I go get it. Okay, really? What's driving that? Let's look at the things you want. Well, I want a good life, so I here's what makes a good life. A good job, a good spouse, kids that basically do what I tell them, that don't give me any problems. Kid, listen, kids have never, kids are never a problem, right? Most kids. Jason is never a problem. Jason. Jason. 
I need you and your father to stay after to see if the stories match. <laughs> kids are always a problem. We've all been kids. Kids, that's how we know, because we were a problem to our parents. <laughs> that's the truth. Well, but maybe one, one exception. <laughs> but that's the journey. We have a master, folks. We all have a master. It's either God or money. It's, or, I mean, self, even. What he's addressing here is you can't, those two will be in conflict because you can't pursue one without pursuing the other. Now, let me address this. Does that mean if God blesses financially that you're not in line with him? No. But I would ask him why. I would ask him, you've given me this resource, what do I need to do with it? You know, I've said before that we, you know, people pray and ask God for a million dollars and they say, oh, I'll tithe. Well, how about tithing on your $3,000 check? But let's talk about the million dollar check for a minute. What's tithe on a million dollars? 300000 <laughs> $100,000, right? So God's going to give you a million and he's going to get back 100000 Is that a good deal for God? He just got ripped off $900,000. So that prayer is a selfish prayer. You see what I'm saying? We want to see things from our perspective, not from God's. What if you prayed that God would give you a million bucks so you can give away a million dollars? Pray that prayer. Put that before God. Or maybe pray and ask for a million dollars so you can invest it and give away the returns, which could be over a million over a period of time. So maybe you end up giving away two million. But if we can't do it on a $300 check, how are we going to do it with a $100,000 check? What I'm saying is, is we, it, self-centeredness is very subtle, folks. It's very subtle. That's the beauty of our small group times in the morning, is we get to be, talk about some of this stuff. And it's so funny because it, when I'm sitting there, it, and it's crept up on me too, I didn't even realize something was selfish until we were talking about it. It's very, because you don't think about, but that's why we're, we're not to forsake the assemblies of ourselves together to encourage each other in the love and good works. And that's the journey. We have a master. See, both of these, money and God, complete. they compete. Whether you're experiencing it or not, here's the result. You end up hating one and loving the other. If I love God, I hate that there's a draw to me to kind of hold on and work because I'm in love with him. But if I love money, 
then I'm not kind of upset with God for trying to take my money. Listen, if you can walk and talk and have abilities and skills, and most of you do, that ability and that intelligence and that uh, understanding and aptitude comes from him. He gave that to you. You can take it just like that. So we end up either hating one or loving or and, or loving the and loving the other. Or we're devoted to one and despise the other. Where do we spend our heart time, our physical time? What are we doing with that? And is God kind of on a back burner, you know, just kind of when he shows up or, or when I get around to him, we get around to it. I know a church that gave those out, they gave out these little discs with the initials T-U-I-T on it. So now you have an around to it. Now you have a round to it. It's time to get on with God's business. And to not be sitting on the sidelines. See, if we want God's attention, we've got to fall in line with Him. We can't, God is not going to give you His attention to build your agenda. He won't. We all think that's going to work. We're all so smart. We think that's going to work. I'm going to tell you something. That did not work for me in the business world. That did not work for me in ministry either. I wanted to build at one time a ministry for God to give Him glory. What's wrong with that? What's wrong with that is it has to be the ministry God wanted the way God wanted it done, not what I think that I can bring him. What is God lacking that he needs from me? Nothing. So what it is, is really arrogance to say, oh, here's my thing. Instead of just being obedient to what he said. That's how he hears us. That's how we get his attention, folks. We get his attention by paying attention. Does that make sense? It's so easy to get off on this. And, and it's, I know it's good intentions, but good intentions does not mean right actions. Y'all want a, an example of that? Remember in the ark where they were traveling with the ark and it was on a cart? And it was about to fall over and they were told not to touch the ark and it was falling over? The guy reached up to stop it from falling over and God struck him dead. Good intentions. Maybe even a loving act. But he didn't do it the way God said. What was the real problem there? They were supposed to be carrying it on the staves and not on the cart. But we don't see anything wrong with that. It's okay. It's still getting there. We're going to make it. You know, instead of following... Now he's in a position that he wouldn't have been put in had they obeyed God from the beginning. It's, God's word is so consistent, it's just, it's almost hilarious. And so, folks, you cannot serve God in wealth. They lead in opposite directions. Money is not evil. Money is not evil. 
I can take money and I can, I can use it in miserly ways or I can build a hospital for children with incurable diseases and try to help them. Money's not the problem. The heart is the problem. And so the only way to have both is if God has all of it. He's got to have it all, folks. If we want his attention, we walk seeking him. And that gets his attention. And so, are you getting God's attention? Let me leave you with a few things. Realize this, that fasting is important. Ask God, pray and ask God if he wants you to fast and how. It can be one meal, it can be a day, it can be a week. It can be whatever he tells you. Don't listen to what I tell you. Listen to what he tells you. Then do it quietly and pray about what he wants. And see what happens. The question is, are you willing? Are you willing? Well, but pastor, I get hypoglycemic. Welcome to the crowd. Yeah, but you don't understand. I get hangry. I get hangry. That needs to go into the new dictionary. Hangry. You know, I think that's awesome that all that's going on in your life. You know why? Because when you do it, you're going to have to depend on God. It's not like, well, I can skip a meal. It's okay. We depend and rely on God. So fast as ask him. Just ask him. Don't, don't, don't listen to me. It's the only time you'll ever hear me say that. <laughs> listen to him. Two. I wonder. Here's where I get into trouble. Y'all ready? I wonder if we just sold off all the stuff that we're storing, not using. How would how it would impact the advancement of the kingdom? Don't raise your hand. How many of you guys have rooms in your house you don't even go in that are required to have furniture in there? That's there. The main purpose of that furniture is to collect dust. Or if somebody comes over, they've got a place to sleep. Right? How, Terry and I used to have that. We used to always have a spare room that had furniture in it and all that. You know how many times that got used? Zero. Zero. How many times has yours been used? Well, we use our, okay. How's your, let's go take a look at your garage. And your attic. And we're storing all this stuff. And it's just getting older and passing away. I know a church that got in debt and they shared, they actually shared this principle with the body and they dug themselves out of debt. What if we could just, what if we paid off all our debts with just what's being stored, junk that we don't need? I'd be open to that if somebody wanted to leave that. Wouldn't it be fun to, to just pay off the church's debt with a stroke of a pen? That would be fun, wouldn't it? So don't let money control you. Let God control you. 
How many of you get more joy out of giving than getting? Right? We got our eyes on the wrong things. Three, how are you using all the resources God's given you? Now be honest. What are you pursuing with them? What treasure are you after? What are you pursuing? Well, I've got to get my life in order. Really? How's that going for you? What if you just said, God, I'm going to do it your way no matter what. And I'm going to let you put the pieces. I'm going to let you bring people in and out of my life you want in my life. And trust him. Can God bring the people in your life he wants? How many of you have ever wondered, why is God not doing this? You ever wondered that? Why is God not answering this? Or why is God not giving me this peace? Why is God not? And you can fill in your blank. The reason God is not is because he's not in control of that. We want to blame him for something we've not turned over to him. Or we turn it over based upon our approval. Yeah, okay. Here's your responsibility. Now, who, wait a minute. Who serves who? What, so what do you treasure, folks? That's what you're seeking after. What is the for? What is driving the decision that you make with your life? God or your bank account? Now listen, I know that we all got bills to pay, that we got to eat, that we got to pay the electric man. I understand all that. I got it too. But what's driving me? What's driving the decisions that I'm making? Listen, God can fill your bank account if he wants, and you can handle it. He can also drain it and supply for you in other ways. You remember the, the prophet sitting under the tree, the ravens fed? You remember, y'all remember who that was? That's your assignment today if you don't know. He's out there crying. He's upset. God didn't do it his way. Sound familiar? God, how can you do it like I thought? And while he's over there pouting, God is showing mercy and grace on him by feeding him. <clears throat> he probably didn't even recognize that. He's too busy to focus on his own thing. And this was a man that God set apart for his use. Sound familiar? Folks, you have been set apart for the glory of God. If you want to get his attention, fall in line with what he's telling you to do. Fall in line in obedience out of joy and response for him giving you salvation. For transforming you from the inside out. Not from some physical desire or some identity crisis you may be having. Now listen, I understand that. That stuff matters and I get it. But the best identity I can have is the one that he gave me. If I'll accept that 
and live with that and walk in that, then I'll experience what God is doing. And I'll have his attention. When he is my focus, when what I'm doing is for him, it grabs his attention. And so listen, <laughs> money can never, money can never fill the space in your life that belongs to God. Never. If that were true, if, if it could, we would not have millionaires and billionaires committing suicide. And it happens all the time. It happens all the time. And so we have to choose what we're seeking. You know, there was this <clears throat> little boy who was wanting to go to a birthday party. And to his disappointment, a huge snowstorm blew in the day of the party. They were shutting roads down. There was snow piling up. And he goes to his father and he says, Dad, can I still go to the party? Well, the, the father, sensing the danger, hesitated to let his son go. And the youngster started to cry. And he said, but Dad, all the other kids will be there. Your parent, do you ever hear that? All the other kids are going. Johnny's going. And the father thought for a moment, and then he replied softly. He said, all right, you can go. And the, and the boy, almost surprised, was excited. So they bundled him all up. And they sent him out. They, they uh, got him ready to go, had all his stuff. He looked like the kid from A Christmas Story. They sent him out. And he got out there. He could barely almost walk. The wind was blowing. The snow was real high. But he made it. He made it to his friend's house. He walked. And as he got to the door, he had this funny feeling, and he looked back. And he saw a little distance back his father hiding behind a tree. His father followed him the whole way to make sure he was all right. You don't ever have to worry about God being with you or taking care of you. What we miss out on is when we're not in alignment with his will. And if we want to gain his attention, listen to him and follow after him. When you do those things, you will have the attention of God. You will have it. So let's live in obedience to him. Out of joy, out of the opportunity out of maybe he's smarter than we are. I'm going to say everybody to bow their head and close their eyes. <clears throat>